I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Put my title up here, would you? I forgot it. The Defining Moment. Because I got two titles. I got Space for Grace and Defining Moment, so I couldn't remember which one I had up there. So, uh, I, I, and I, I really want to, I, I want to I really preach to you tonight. And I'm going to, to read out of Ezra 9, verse 8, both in the King James and the Amplified. In Ezra 9 and 8, uh, in the King James and the Amplified. I, I also, uh, if possible here, um, is Samuel, Samuel, do I see Samuel somewhere? Yeah, there you are. Would you come down here, and, and Eric, would you come, and could you get the knucklehead down here in the front? See if you'll stand there. I just want to, I, I want to use a little analogy here to, to, after I read. So he's standing, look at that mean look he's got on his face. Look like his grandma. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just stand there for a minute. Uh, if he's going to cry, you can take him, but I... Okay, in King James, in Ezra 9, verse 8, it says, And now, for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Now, in the Amplified, it says, And now, for a brief moment... Grace has been shown to us by the Lord, our God, who has left us a remnant to escape and has given us a secure, look at that, secure hold in his holy place that our God may brighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, bless the word. Bless each and every one that has heard. Open our ears, our minds. God, that we may receive the word which is able to save our soul. And I'll praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to use these guys just... No, no, not you guys. Get, get back here. I didn't bring you down here so everybody could watch you while we were praying. I got so I could abuse you a little bit. Okay, now I need one more. Jonathan, you come here. I really would, what I'd like to be able to do is take him and put him here and, and put you here and put you over there, but he probably won't stand. You get over on this side. Stand right there, by E. Stand by E. You get in between here. All right, look at this group. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do just for a moment, and I just, I just want to create something for you. If you look at each size here, you see in the natural He's young, two years old, going to be three. This one's going to be 10. This is going to be 12. This one's going to be 23. 20. All right. In the natural, their world, his world, exists around his size, the kids his age, his mama, various other things. His world is small. Eric, his world is a little bit bigger. He notices things. He listens. He hears people who uh, sometimes tell the truth. Sometimes they don't tell the truth. Not everybody treats you right all the time. You figure that out at your age. And this one, he's figured everything out that, that Eric has figured out, only now he knows that there are females. Okay. He understands that there are females, and they are different than males. I wish I could take you back, but can't do that. Now, at his age, he's discovered 
that life after school is not so easy, high school. Okay, and you've got to work for a living. And you would look back and you would like to almost be like him again in some aspect. Okay? You see that we have four different sizes here. Now, looking at this in a spiritual sense, if this one, in a spiritual sense, could be like this one, and have that not the way he is right now, but could have that same kind of attitude towards God and the trust of other people that he has, how much easier life could be. And it's the same way with him as you go through. But each one has a defining moment in their life. Each one. Before he gets uh, Eric's age, there will be a defining moment. Sometimes to the good, sometimes not so good. The same way with Samuel. There will be a defining moment. And each one as they progress, they hope and they pray that they can keep the faith that this little guy will have. And not somewhere along the line drop that faith off. But it takes for all of us to come to that. There is that moment in time when all of a sudden everything becomes apparent. That I can serve God. God will do these things that He said He will do. You begin to understand that and you don't want to lose that as you get up to the 20-year-old size. Alright, you guys can be seated. I just wanted to bring that because we all have, we all have that kind of thinking. We all realize that there has to be, there has to be growth within the Spirit. But we also understand that within growth in that spirit, we don't let go of the simple faith that we had when we first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so, so we see, and I'm, I'm preaching on this, we can look at this. What did the Bible say? It said for a moment, a brief moment, if you would, just a wink of the eye. A brief moment. Grace is defined, and you've heard me define it before this way, as defined as the unmerited favor of God. But in Robertson's definition, I'd like to give you that definition, and that grace is truly an opportunity. Grace is an opportunity for us to grow, for us to go a little bit further down the road, not only in stature, but in our knowledge of God, in our ability to believe God. It is a shame for us to get to a certain point and leave that faith behind. I I know that in each moment of the day there is an opportunity a moment in time that I may be able to go somewhere that I've never been before that it will truly define me Romans 6 1 you know one thing about grace grace is not a term that's used by people who purposely sin and then say grace covers it because Romans 6 1 says this Paul said shall we continue in sin that grace may abound and God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin continue therein if it wasn't for grace I would not have the opportunity to be saved not one person in here would have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost if it wasn't for grace the unmerited favor of God that gives you the opportunity to be saved. Praise God. Now let me give it to you a little bit. Keep this in mind. Follow me. Those opportunities come in brief moments, in the wink of an eye. The rich young ruler in Luke 18 asked Jesus, he said, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And the young ruler said, All these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus said, One thing you lack. Sell what you have. Give it to the poor. Pick up your cross and follow me. He had a space of grace. 
a brief moment in time to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. An opportunity to be saved. Are you with me? An opportunity to be saved. Then the opportunity passed when he became sorrowful because of his riches, thinking about what he would lose instead of what he would gain. The moment was lost and he missed a space of grace. Are you hearing me? Sometimes those moments come upon us and we have that brief wink of an eye to step through a door that God has opened, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for healing, whether it be for deliverance. It doesn't make any difference. God gives us that space. And if he does, we have to step through and grasp that space. 24 hours after Israel turned down the promised land, they changed their minds. And they told Moses, we'll go up. But it was too late. It was, it was too late. Had they not listened to the ten negative spies, they would have made it. But they missed the space of grace, their moment of salvation. And they wondered until they died because of one stupid mistake. Ezra 9 speaks of a space of grace to escape. And what do we escape? We escape sin. We all have seen people... When God has presented them with a space of grace, they grip the back of the pew until their knucks turn white, holding themselves back from escaping the tentacles of hell. You can look to someone for pity in whatever plight you may be in, because someone's sorrow will not let you escape. Are you hearing me? We've seen people that grip and, they, and they, they, they look for someone to pity them. I just can't do this. I just can't let go of my life. I can't do this. And they miss that space of grace. They miss that opportunity to be saved. They miss being able to escape what hell is trying to pull them into. Are you hearing me tonight? You can look at them. You can say this. And the only thing that's going to help is that brief moment in the wink of an eye. Because when you feel that space of grace, you know that He is in control. You see, when you feel that God is in control of your life, when you're sitting back there in a pew and you feel that space of grace open up to you, you know that God is in control. And when you completely let Him have control and you step out of your pew and you said, now is the time. It's what I said this morning about the four lepers sitting at the wall. They said, why do we sit here until we die? die and it's the same thing when god opens that space of grace why are you going to sit there till you die why are you going to sit there until hell claims you why don't you get up and say i'd rather be out i'd rather for the enemy i'd rather take a chance of being killed by the enemy to sit here until i die that space of grace doesn't end when you're saved you often need a special spaces of grace, a space of grace for healing, a space of grace for deliverance. Ezra spoke of a second space of grace. He said a secure hold to give us a nail in his holy place. He is simply saying that we need to get a grip. That's what he's saying. This is the second space of grace. You come in and you let God fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You get a hold of what you have. You get nailed to this doctrine. You don't get blown about by every wind of doctrine when you get a hold on what you have. You don't, you don't allow someone to tell you some kind of lie and for you to be led off by that lie. You hang on to the truth and the truth will completely set you free and keep you free. 
That worries me. That worries me as a preacher. I see too many people who get this wonderful gift. I, I, I don't know about you, but when I got it, I began to look into the Word of God and I checked everything I believed and I couldn't find one thing that any denomination could offer me that was better than what God was offering me. Are you hearing me? I've got everything there is to know about the truth of salvation and I refuse to let go. third space of grace brightens our eyes or lightens our eyes. Jesus met Moses and Elijah. He wanted someone with him, but he didn't want a lot of grumbling. Peter, James, and John wanted to see great things in the kingdom. But the other nine apostles weren't really interested. Follow me. Before Peter, James, and John could see his glory, they had to wake up. They had to awaken. And Peter wanted to build three altars, one for each because he liked what he was seeing and he liked the atmosphere that he was feeling. You see, when you get into the atmosphere that God can open up to you, you begin to like what you have. Not only do I like what I'm seeing, but I like what I'm feeling. I like, I, I like feeling the presence of God the way that I feel the presence of God. I like feeling it just as it is poured out upon me. I like feeling the, the, the wonder of it all. I like knowing that the, the next time I make a lap around the church, I may just take a lap and wind up right in heaven. I, 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 I felt that way before. I felt that way when I was running a worshiping. It's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get out of here. I'm gonna be doing, I, I'm gonna be doing this to such an extent. I, I'm gonna please God so much that God just takes me out of this life, takes me into heaven. I think that worship should feel that way. I think we should worship until we feel that we are in part of another land. That's what God is telling us. We should feel that way. But he said he had nine, nine of the apostles that weren't interested in any of that. They were left behind. And guess what? When the three came down, they didn't even bother to ask what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. They didn't even want to know. They didn't ask. The other apostles didn't know what was going on until they read it in the book of Matthew. 25% took advantage of a space of grace. 25%. There's a fourth space of grace. A reviving in our bondage. Revival. In this scripture means a preservation of life. We don't have a perfect life. There are things that, that, that like to bring bondage to our lives. There's financial pressures. There's situations we would like to get out of. And, and let me illustrate what reviving and bondage is. When John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, met Mary, they began to talk. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth said, whoa, she said, something's going on because the baby is leaping in my womb. That baby was confined. It was in bondage. But guess what? Within the limited space that baby had, it began to leap in the presence of Jesus. It began to do something because it felt what was in front of it. It felt the presence of the Lord. It knew that there was something greater within Mary than what was... And it had to worship. Listen, I don't care where you are. I don't care who's beside you. When you get into the presence of Jesus, there is something inside of you that needs to let go. And you begin to worship and you begin to love God. I don't care what the bondage is. You want the bondage to break. You begin to worship God. Sometimes we need that, that, that nudge. You know, that's what I'm doing here uh, today. I'm nudging you. You need to nudge from, 
from the pastor sometimes. You need more than more than that. You need a nudge from the Holy Ghost. You need you need the Spirit of God to move you a little bit and you and realize that you can make a difference. But not until you face your defining moment. Until you realize your purpose in life. What God are you going to do with me? There are some people that God has simply called you to be a worshiper. That's your defining moment. And your worship can move a whole congregation. Because that's what God has called you to do and you're anointed for that. Not that uh, you have to be anointed to worship. But some people are just simply, that's what they do. And they set on fire a whole congregation, a group of people by their worship. Some people, their defining moment is being a prayer warrior. And that's what they do. If everybody could look for their life ministry and realize that sometimes it's just one thing. That doesn't mean that you can't be involved in other things, but there's one thing that's your life ministry. And if you perform that one thing, if you find that space of grace and you go through it and you find that one thing you're to do, it can make a difference in a world. It can make a difference in a, in, in a church, in a city. It can make a difference. It's, it's unimaginable what it can do when you find it and you accept it that this is my life ministry. This is what I do. You know, I don't know if Esther fully understood her purpose in life till that defining moment. Maybe she just thought she'd been blessed of God because he loved her. Sometimes we can miss the moment without realizing it or even knowing it. That's why God puts a Mordecai in your life. There has to be somebody in there to nudge you a little bit. Remember this. God never does anything without a reason or a purpose to coincide with his will for mankind even in your life. Even in your life, he uses what you are, what you can do to, to, to establish something within the world. Every one of us has a purpose, a life ministry, a reason for being. And until we can understand that within your spirit, you're always going to be asking yourself that question. This means that every single one of us has a purpose for his will for mankind. Getting saved was not your personal fire escape from hell. Which, thank God that we have it. And we, 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 we are saved from hell. Thank God for that. But it's more than that. God has a purpose for you. There is a defining moment coming in your life. It's coming soon. And if not already here, many miss their defining moment. But God is faithful to bring it another, another one again. That's the great thing about God. You might miss it this time, but don't give up. Don't say, well, I missed it. What's the use? God may bring that defining moment around again. Be ready and watch for what God can do. Everyone has a purpose in life. You're not here by accident. You have a purpose in life. You, you have a purpose in life right here and right now. And everyone has a specific purpose in life to fulfill. You have something to fulfill in your life. One purpose. One task. A life ministry. You have that. Every person in this, in this congregation has a, a life ministry to fulfill. It doesn't matter how old 
young you are, what color, gender, we're all created for a purpose in life. One purpose, one task, a life ministry. Can you imagine if every one of us got across Jordan and discovered that life ministry? Can you imagine what the church could do? That everybody would find a contentment in that life ministry. Are you with me? And you found that and you performed it and all of a sudden the church just began to grow and blossom and begin to put forth fruit like you've never seen before. It can happen when everybody takes Together decides I'm going to find that one thing. I'm going to do that one thing. And whatever else God has for me, that it doesn't matter. I'm going to perform my life ministry. I'll give him a hand clap. We've been given a purpose, a task, a reason, a direction, a job, if you please. And if you don't fulfill that purpose, then as Mordecai said to Esther, you will fail and perish. If you don't find that purpose, you don't perform that purpose, you're going to fail. You're going to perish. You might have a purpose that will change the course of history, even the world. You've been given a purpose. That's why we're born. That's why God put us on this world. I don't think you're a little somebody, some little nobody sitting back there in the pew. And what value are you? You have a big value. Believe me, it's just a matter of finding and performing it. That's all you have to do. Exodus nine sixteen. God speaks to Moses like this. He said, "But indeed, for this purpose, He said, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth." Moses had one reason for being. And he had to perform that. In John 9, 1 through 3, you read about a man blind from birth. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither the man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Are you with me? That was that man's life ministry. That was his life ministry, to be born blind and to sit on a corner begging. But look at the glory that Jesus got as a result of a blind man at the right place at the right time, understanding there was a space of grace and he moved into it. I hope you're understanding what I'm trying to say to you tonight. I hope you understand this. Quit looking for all the big things. I told Elder a while ago, I said, America, always looking for the big deal. Always a big deal. But if every one of us would accept the little deals that we got, it would become a big deal. This man most likely never knew his purpose in life till this defining moment. And arrived and it happened with the very Son of God, Jesus. Jesus explained and told him, everyone there about this defining moment. He told them all. And even Jesus had a purpose in life. And he spoke about it uh, in Matthew 18, 11. He said, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That was his purpose. That was his purpose. This passage even speaks of the ultimate defining moment of the life of Jesus. But even still, there were more defining moments in and through the life of Jesus. After the cross, there was an empty grave. So there was more defining moments. I think the key to finding uh, an ongoing move of God in your life 
is to first go through that defining moment that you have initially. And when you go through that one, then God begins to to give you more defining moments, more, if you would, spaces of grace. And you continue to enter in. That's why some people are used of God so greatly. It's because at some time in their life, they went through the door that defined them, and God kept putting more doors in front of them, more spaces of grace, and they kept going through. And before long, they had a powerful ministry, and God used them in a great way. Healing came as a, as a touch of their hand and other things. Why? Because they did not despise the time of that first defining moment that may not have been a big deal at all. Every person has a defining moment. Esther 4.14, it was said, have you come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther did many wonderful things in her life. She hadn't just arrived at the palace one day for her moment. She lived. She had a purpose every day. But something special was happening in her life at that moment. You don't just sit around and wait for the defining moment. You occupy. You live. You seek God. But when that defining moment is there, you don't ignore it either. You look for it. That space of grace is there for you. And you walk through that door. And what a wonderful, wonderful door it is when you understand and you come to the knowledge that I have done what I'm supposed to do. Wait on God after that and see that He doesn't give you other things that's going to occur in your life. Because He will. Each of us has a time and a chance to do something really big for God. You know, I, I, I've determined in my life that I'm going to, I, I'm not going to rather pass it up or miss it. We, we must always be on the lookout for that moment of, of purpose. Mordecai asked her, causing her to think, she said, have you come to the kingdom, to this place, for such a time as this? I, I, I'm asking you. Tonight, church, have you come to the kingdom? I'm asking you individual tonight. Have you come to the kingdom? Have you come to the kingdom, to this place, to this time, to this church, for such a time as this? Have you come here tonight for such a time? Are you here this evening? Because there's something special that you know that God has for you. Or are you going to continue to sit back And let one opportunity after the other pass you by. People are dying. They're going to hell for lack of of true apostolic Christians all over the world not fulfilling their purpose. And I dare say there are people in this church whose defining moment is here and now. But they are not. This goes back to some of some things that I've talked about in the past about the presence of God in your life. If you are aware of the presence of God in your life, then you'll be more apt to notice when your moment arrives. And your moment will arrive, but you have to be aware of the presence of God in your life. You have to be aware that God, uh, what, how God moves, how God operates, and when God is there, and then the times and, and the purpose that He is there for, just an awareness and a knowledge of His presence. Because if you have a knowledge of His presence, you'll understand when that defining moment comes, that space of grace, if you would. We have to be aware of the moment. 
Esther didn't realize the moment had come upon her till God gave her Mordecai, who asked the question, the moment may pass by in the routine of life for the lack of awareness or simply not caring. If you don't care, you're not aware, that moment can pass. We can miss the moment without even realizing we're missing the moment. Of the widow in Luke 21.3, she most likely didn't know the moment. In truth, I say to you that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. Follow me. Follow me. The widow gave her offering of two small coins. This was just what she did. She did nothing different. But the master took notice of her faithfulness and her actions and gave one of his most powerful lessons on giving. What if she had stayed home that day? What if she had stayed home that day? She would have missed her time, her defining moment, had she not gone to the temple that day. The widow did nothing out of the ordinary. She didn't try to impress anybody. She was doing her life routine, her life ministry. There's a chance she didn't even know this had happened till she got to heaven. Do you know that? There are things that you do that you may never know that you did until you get to heaven. Till you stand in the presence of God and you see the people that you've affected by your life, by your ministry, by your actions, by your worship, by your attitude. The people that you affect, you may not know that you perform a life ministry. I can look back at some of you. I know. Every time I look at Kay, Kay is performing a life ministry. She's sick. But every time I look at Kay, I feel I can get through and do anything. I, I do. She's performing a life ministry for me if she hadn't done it for anybody else. She's doing it for me. Every time I see her fight her way to church, she's performing a life ministry. Every single one of you has that life routine, but more importantly, you should have a life ministry. Where do you, you, know, where do you think the purpose of your being, where do you think all this comes from? You may never really know the full extent of your life's ministry till again, till you get to heaven. But you've got to be ready and found faithful when it comes to, to, to the life ministry. And it will come. There will be that opportunity. Because right now some of you are aware of it and you never were aware before. And there's been times that some of you are thinking, right now you're thinking, I, I just had that opportunity pass me by last week. I, I just had an opportunity maybe yesterday or, or, or a month ago. But it's coming to your mind right now. And you said, I didn't step through that door. I didn't, I didn't grasp that, that, that space of grace. I didn't get a hold of it right then. But I know now what I'm looking for. I understand now what should happen. And then we can go to one that's always so good. You know, how about the, uh, the little boy in John 6, 9 with his, with his lunchbox? There's this, this boy who has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? That's what the Scripture says. He had no idea it was the day for his defining moment. His such a time as this. He didn't know that day when he stepped out and Mama hollered to him and said, don't forget your lunch, that his life would never be the same after that. He never knew that. Now, what if he'd stayed home? What if that day he decided, I'm not going to go? 
I believe there would have been a miracle for the people, but without him. You see what I'm saying? Every time you miss church, miracle may still occur, but without you. The defining moment that God finally gives somebody uh, gives somebody the, the one of the, the gift of healings, and you've been sick for months and years, and somebody in there, God just bestows a gift upon them, and if you'd been there, you'd been sitting next to them, and they would have reached over and touched you, and you would have been healed. But you're not there. You're doing something else. How about when David was sent with his food for his brothers to the front lines of the battlefield? He couldn't have fathomed his defining moment. His such a time as this was coming. He slew a giant, and the army of Israel was aroused to great victory. Why? Because David was at the right place at the right time, and his space of grace opened up. You know, you can say what you want. Everybody's got their own opinions. David was a great king, had a lot of things happen in his life, but the one thing, his defining moment, his life ministry is when he killed that giant. That was his life ministry. Everything else after that was just gravy. Everything else, because that was his life ministry, and he was there. He didn't stay home. There have been millions of lives not touched, ministries not started, because someone missed their moment. There's such a time as this. Maybe because that somebody stayed home. I personally think that each of us has a defining moment, and and, and even defining moments, if you would, more than one. And I think each of us has many coming to to the kingdom for such a time as this moments. I think we have so many of them, but it still takes us stepping through the first one, being able to grasp that first moment and know and embrace it and know that this is my time. Then the moment becomes moments, and there's more than one. But I will say this, if I'm wrong on this one, we'll all at least have one in our life. One guy, one preacher I heard preaching the other day, and I, I thought of what he said here uh, with, this, with this particular message, and I wondered if this was his defining moment. And he said as a, as a youth pastor or youth minister, they said, I'll never forget a little boy, he said, that he took care of who was physically beaten had cigarette burns and whelps from parental abuse all over his body. But he ministered to that little guy. He helped that little guy. Did everything he could for him. That may have been that man's defining moment. It may have been, and now that man is a pastor. He was a youth pastor at the time. But because he stepped through and did what he was supposed to with this little boy, that made him made all the difference in the world for where he went with his ministry. Maybe it maybe it's the little old lady you pick up for church who didn't have a way or who couldn't drive or whose husband wouldn't take her. Maybe it was a family needing a ride to church who you who you brought and and you made to feel loved and and made to feel welcome, or a family you might have taken out for dinner when they came to visit, or or maybe it was it was going over to pray with someone 
you hardly knew, but you just felt like you wanted to, or better yet, you just, you just had to because God was leading you in, in that direction. Those are all coming to the kingdom for such a time as this moment. That's what those things happen. When you hear the touch, the, the, the voice of God, you feel the prompting in your heart, the conviction in your heart, if you would, to go do something like this. When you fail to do it, when you stay at home, you're missing a defining moment. Same preacher was talking about um, another person that he knew. And he said that uh, this man, he called him Brother Murphy. He said he, he, he probably didn't realize that he was, had a defining moment when he picked up five, he said, snotty-nosed, ornery, hard-to-corral little boys for Sunday school primary class. He picked them up on Saturday. And he took them out, and he fed them hamburgers and Cokes. And while they were eating at a park bench or wherever they were, he'd make sure that they knew their Sunday school lesson for the next morning. He had no idea that out of those five snotty-nosed, ornery, hard-to-corral little boys, three of them would wind up in the ministry. Three of them. Can you imagine? You know what it's like to corral, especially if they're not yours. And he did it every Saturday, and he fed them, and he got their Sunday school lesson ready for them. Some of you act like it's going to kill you if you go out on a Saturday to knock on a door or take kids out. And I know. I know the time we're living in. I know we're all fearful of some of these things. But what if he'd have missed his time? We may never know. We may never know. Every single one of us are such as a time as this moments, but we must never we must ever rather be faithful for when they come along. Suppose Esther let her fear overwhelm her that day. Suppose the woman with the issue of blood hadn't reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Suppose she'd let the crowds keep her away from her such a time as this moment. Caused her to not reach out touching the hem of his garment as he passed by. She would have died in her disease. Had she allowed somebody to stop her when the moment was there, that defining moment when he walked by and she could touch the hem of his garment? Suppose the boy didn't give up his lunch. As the music comes, singers don't have to, just the music. Suppose the boy didn't give up his lunch. Suppose David hadn't showed up with, with lunch and five smooth stones that day. Suppose... Suppose that you allowed something to keep you from church tonight. Suppose that you would have just stayed home and, and watched a rerun of Bonanza or something. I mean, some people look for any excuse at all to be able to stay away from church. And there's a defining moment here this evening. And as you stand with me, you have a defining moment before you. And will you be ready for your moment when it comes? Will you care for your moment when it comes? Trust me, it will come. And more than likely, your moment has already come more than a few times. Another will come. But will you be ready? Will you be looking for that moment? May I ask you that here this evening? With your eyes closed... 
Your defining moment is here. What are you going to do with it? Do you feel that there's a door opening for deliverance, for salvation, for healing? You see, I'm not going to stand up here and give any long altar calls tonight. Because, you see, I can't. I'm, I'm your Mordecai. I'm your, I, I, I'm your pastor. I'm the guy that's nudging you. But, you see, I can't push you through that into that moment. That moment, the door will open. And it's time for you to step through the door and, and find what's going to define you. Find your life ministry. And if you are at that point, you understand what I'm saying, then this altar is open for you. You can come and kneel or you can come and stand. But you need to come down here because part of stepping through that door is stepping out of the pew and coming down here. That's what you are supposed to do. If you will do that, you begin to reach and you allow God to know and you can tell Him this. You say, God, I know this is my time. This is my moment. And I need now, God, to go through that door. I don't want to miss it again, because if I miss it again, if I miss it again, I may miss it completely and never have an opportunity. Would you come? Would you come if you feel that that is your moment, this is your time, that you are defined by this moment? Right now, your life ministry, what you're going to be, will be according to what you do tonight. This is not a time for you to whine about what you don't have. This is not a time for you to try to get rid of anger. This is a time for you to step through a door that is open for you. But you've got to know, you've got to know, and you've got to be assured in your heart that this is for you this evening. I want you to come. Again, you don't have to kneel. You can come down here and you can raise your hands and you can let God show you. You can let God lead you. You may have something that God has asked you to do this evening. Maybe God has asked you to do something more than once. This evening you have an opportunity to do that. Maybe you're supposed to go to someone and pray for them. Maybe you have a gift that you have been been pushing back and you've not allowed it to go forth. But tonight is your defining moment, your opportunity to step through a door. Would you come? Or would you do, let me just ask it this way, would you do what God has asked you to do? Would you do what that space of grace has opened up for you to do this evening? Yes, God has given me a gift. Yes, I believe I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yes, I believe I have a gift of healing that goes beyond what I just said. I believe I have that. Would you do that? Would you be willing to step out and do that this evening? There's people down here praying. If you want to come and pray with them and help them find that moment, please do. Please do. And you know, I, I said I wasn't going to lengthen this altar call, but I feel, I feel tonight I, I need to... Uh, there is somebody back there that, that God has dealt with you over and over and over again. You have, you have been given a gift. God has given you a gift of healing. This is the gift that you have. And you've messed around with it, but you've never been sure of yourself. But this evening, you can step through and have a surety in your heart that you are gifted in that way. Would you come? Would you come? Would you let God operate? Would you let God operate in that? I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to ask anymore. I've done all I can do this evening. I've done all I can do. This altar will remain open for anybody who wants to come. Lord bless you. If you must talk, please take it out in the vestibule.